Ain't God good? And all the time. Amen. It's already been good to be in the house of the Lord. We could probably have a prayer of dismissal and go home. We've already had church this morning. Don't get excited. We ain't going to do that. The Lord's put something on my heart I want to give to you. But um, yeah, that's good. Thank you, brother. All of you. Great job this morning as always. God is so good to us. Uh, folks, it makes all the difference when we become aware of His presence. And that's what, that's what happens in a service like this. When people come um, to honor and glorify the Lord, the Bible says that He inhabits the praises of His people. Now, we know as believers that, listen to me now, we are indwelled by the precious Holy Spirit. He goes with us wherever we go. If we go to church, He goes with us because He lives in us. We are the temple of God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. So wherever we go, he goes with us as children of God. So he's with me everywhere. But what makes something like this so special is we become aware of his presence. He begins working in ways that only he can work. He begins manifesting his presence and power among his people. And that's what makes gatherings like this so special. Amen. I don't like missing gatherings like this. I'm glad to be with you this morning. I'm glad to see each and every one of you here. God is ready to move. God is ready to bless. He's ready to speak to our hearts. I'm telling you, if we're ready to listen to what he has to say. Now, I was just um, listening to that first song that we were singing there. Let me tell you what makes that so powerful. And that, that was just so powerful for me this morning. He, we were singing the word amen. How many of you know what amen mean? It means let it be so. Or I stand in agreement, all right? So when you say amen, what you're saying is, I'm standing in agreement, let it be so, what's being said, what's being done. Now, listen to what we were singing. The word has a name, and it's Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. <laughs> I stand in agreement with that, don't you? Redemption has a name, and it's Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. Yeah, Victory has a name, and it's Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. We stand in agreement with all these things. We sing these praises because these praises find their foundation in the truth of the Word of God. He's the one who's redeemed us. He's the one who paid the penalty for our sin at the cross. He's the one who shed His blood, not because of His wrong, but because of what of, of my wrong and your wrong, the wrong of the whole world. It, 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 listen, it's for my sin, your sin, that He died. He is redemption. Redemption is found in Christ. He is the Word of God. He's perfect and pure and He's holy and He's powerful. John said the Word became flesh and He dwelt among us. The Word has a name and it's Jesus. Wow. Victory has a name. We've been given the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over sin. Victory over Satan. Victory over self. Victory over death, hell, and the grave is given through Jesus when you place your faith in Him. I say amen to all that. I like that song. That's good stuff. Take your Bibles. Turn with me this morning to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. I'm going to be sharing with you from verse number 13 through verse number 18. The title of my message this morning is The Comfort in His Coming. What I want to do is read for you these uh, verses that I just mentioned, 13 through 18, then we'll come back and look at three main points and I'll be done. First of all, look what it says there. Verse number 13, but I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. He says, <clears throat> excuse me, that you sorrow not, 
even as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. If you believe it, say amen this morning. Now when he's talking about sleep there, he's talking about those who have died in Christ. Let me tell you what I love about the victory I have over death in Jesus. When the Bible talks about the death of a believer, really what he's saying is, it's kind of like going to sleep for a good night's rest. Amen? How many of you know when you die as a believer, you go to sleep in this world and you awaken in the arms of Jesus? It's nothing that we must fear or we need to fear as Christ followers, as those who have been blood-bought and born again. The Bible explains it as sleep. Then he goes on and says this, for if we, verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that uh, we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Everybody say caught up. Shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Everybody say in the air. Now watch what else it tells us. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Paul writing to these believers of the church of Thessalonica, he says, these words ought to be a comfort to you. Let me ask you something. Is the coming of Jesus, the rapture of the church, is that a comfort to you? There was a time in my life when it literally scared me to death. There was a time in my life when I would tremble in fear when someone mentioned the word rapture because I knew I would not be one who would be caught up. I knew it. We must answer the question this morning, is his coming a comfort? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you again for the truth of your word. Thank you, Father, for the message you've put on my heart. I'm asking you, Lord, this morning that you be with me in this presentation as you've been with me in my preparation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your sweet, sweet presence here today. I believe, God, that you are already speaking to hearts. I believe you're already, Holy Spirit, drawing people unto yourself today. And I'm praying if there be one here who finds no comfort in your coming, I pray today be the day they trust in you. Lord, if, if there's one here that needs to be saved, we pray that happens today. Lord, if there's uh, just believers here who have been saved that need comforted, may that happen today. You know what is needed in every situation, in every heart, and in every life. Help us, Lord to speak your truth according to your power. Lord, may I preach this morning as a dying man to dying people, because that's what we all are. In Jesus' name, amen. Years ago, I watched a TV show called Early Edition. Has anybody ever remember Early Edition? I always liked that show because what the host would do, he would get tomorrow's newspaper and he would read it and then give tomorrow's news for people today. <laughs> And it was very helpful, and you know, it would, it would help you really understand what was going on and, and what was coming next. 
what was going to happen later. He related the news of tomorrow to people today. Now let me, let me say something to you. If you're here this morning and you're a child of God, you're a Christ follower, I'm talking about you've been blood-bought, you've been born again, and you are a student of the Word of God, then you understand, you need to understand that we have the early edition. Can you say amen? We have in the Word of God, the truth of what God has given us from Genesis to Revelation, we have the truth for tomorrow that we must relate to people today. Let me tell you why I say that. Because not everybody has this truth. Not everybody has the teaching of God's Word or understands what God's Word has said to really all of us, all who believe, all who choose to trust in Jesus. That They don't know that. See, listen to me, adults. People at your workplace don't know tomorrow's truth. They don't know what's coming. Many of them don't care what's coming. I'm talking about your family and your friends, your, your lost loved ones. They don't know the truth for tomorrow. So we need to relate to them the truth for tomorrow today. Let me tell you something, young people. There's people in your classes at school, your friends that you go to school with every day, who, who have no idea of the truth of tomorrow, what's coming according to God's precious word. So we need to relate to them the truth of tomorrow today. There's a lot of people sitting in church pews every Sunday who have no idea about the truth of tomorrow. And, and that's okay. Listen, that's why I'm preaching the message that I'm preaching this morning. You, you may tell you what I want. I want all of us to be aware of the truth of what God's Word says. I want us to know the truth concerning tomorrow. I want to know it in the pulpit. I want you to know it in the pew, not only so we ourselves can be ready for what's coming, but so that we can also tell others about what's coming. Can you say amen to that? that that's one of the, the, the major points that I always stress, stress when we study prophecy and end times and eschatology. I always want, to, want you to know it's not just so we can know all this cool stuff that the Bible teaches, but so that we can tell others, listen, there's a time coming when Jesus will return and receive unto himself those who have placed their trust in him. People need to know that. My lost family members need to know that. My lost friends need to know that. People that I'm around, that God has, has given me um, influence in their lives every day, they need to know that. And so we need to get a hold of the truth for tomorrow so that we can relate it today. If you believe it, say amen today. Now then, that's what we're going to look at today, the truth concerning the rapture, how there can be comfort in the coming of Jesus. Now, the rapture, I have come to find out, is one of the most controversial topics in the Word of God in Christian circles today. There's a lot of people who do not believe in the rapture. I heard a man tell me just the other day, we were talking about this very subject, and he said, Pastor, you do know that rap the word rapture is not even in the Bible. And he's right. The word rapture is not in the Bible. It, it certainly isn't. The word Trinity is not in the Bible either, but the teaching of the Trinity is from Genesis to Revelation. And the teaching of the rapture is not only found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, but I believe 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is simply commentary on what Jesus said in John 14, 3. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. John, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 outlines what's going to take place when Jesus raptures his church, when he comes again. Jesus promised his believers in the 14th chapter of John, verse number 3, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. 
Now Jesus is saying, I'm, not, you, I'm leaving to his disciples then. You can't come with me at this present moment. There's going to come a time when I'm going to come and receive unto myself those who have trusted in me, for I'm preparing a place for them. That's good news. That promise Jesus made in John 14, 3, is outlined for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Like I've told you many times before, the best commentary on the Word of God is the Word of God itself. And so by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul wrote down for these believers in Thessalonica the truth concerning the rapture, how they can have comfort in His coming, and we need to get a hold of that truth this morning. Now, let's just, first of all, define our terms. What do we mean when we say rapture? Look down with me, if you will, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 17. Listen to how the Bible puts it. Then ye which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Now, the Greek word there that is you that we get our English translation called up from is the Greek word harpazo. The Greek word harpazo, let, let me give, give you that definition. I got this straight from the Greek lexicon, and it says to grasp hastily, to snatch up, to lift or to rapture. Amen? So the word rapture means to be caught up. It means to be snatched away hastily. And there's another reason that you'll never find the word rapture or the word trinity in the word of God. And it's simply because the word rapture and the word trinity are both Latin words. And we know the Bible was originally translated from the original Hebrew of the Old Testament and the original Greek in the New Testament. So you're not going to find a whole lot of Latin words in the Bible. Can you say amen? At least in the original language. So you're not going to find rapture, that word there, because that's not the original language the Bible was translated from. But rapture means just what 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, that the believers who are alive and remain when Jesus returns will be caught up. Now, there's another reason that I believe a lot of folks don't believe in the rapture, don't teach about the rapture, because so many people confuse the rapture with the second coming of Jesus. And there's a difference. Now, Jesus will come to the clouds, and he will rapture his church. What is being described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is his coming to the clouds. Amen? But that's not describing the second coming of Jesus. That, that those are two separate events. And for a long time, I struggled with understanding that until I got a hold of the truth of what God's Word is teaching. So what I really want to do this morning before we go any further, I want to give you a timeline of, of eschatology. Just not, not the, the, uh, the whole thing that we could go through like we did in the book of Revelation when we studied it. But I want to give you just a, a brief overview of what we've got to look forward to according to the Word of God. So this is a prophetic timeline of what the Bible teaches. First of all, we know the next event on the prophetic timeline according to the Word of God is the rapture of the church. We are studying 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 13 through 18 for that purpose this morning. So the next thing that's going to happen, and let, let me tell you something now, listen. There is absolutely nothing that needs to take place for the rapture of the church to happen. There's not. A lot of the signs that we see according to Matthew 24 and other places in Scripture, they're not giving, it's not giving you signs there of the rapture of the church, but signs of the second coming. 
Now, if we're already seeing signs of the second coming, wars and rumors of wars and famine and pestilence, we seeing any of that today? Are we we seeing the earth travailing as a woman in sorrow before, like she's given birth pains? Are we seeing that like the scripture says? Well, my goodness, folks, we see it everywhere. Are we seeing earthquakes in diverse places? Matter of fact, we had a 7.0 earthquake that hit um, Guadalajara, Mexico just this past week, if you've been watching the news. Destroyed a whole bunch of stuff. Two weeks ago, we had one in Haiti that leveled um, most of Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And that's not the only ones. There's, there's, it's been all over the world. And so um, there's a lot of things that we look at in Scripture that we see as signs of the second coming, and we say, well, all of that has to happen before the church is raptured. Let me tell you why we don't need to look at it that way. Look at this. After the rapture of the church, we enter into what's called, what's called the time of tribulation. All right, So it'll be seven years upon this earth. The first three and a half years is called the time of tribulation. The Antichrist will come to power during that time. And in those three and a half years, the world will experience peace and prosperity like it's never known. It really will. That'll happen for three and a half years. Now, at the end of the three and a half years, the time of tribulation ends. And what is called the Great Tribulation begins. That'll be the last three and a half years. That's when the Antichrist will break his covenant with the Jewish people. Um, That's when you will start having to take the mark of the beast. And a lot of people I know are all up in the air about the vaccine, that it's the mark of the beast. No, it's not, because we ain't had the rapture of the church. All right? Now, I'm not against the vaccine. I'm not necessarily for the vaccine. I'm for personal liberty and responsibility. And if you want to take it, take it. But if you don't, don't. That's what I'm saying, okay? But it is not the mark of the beast. Anybody who says that has not read their Bible, all right? No, I think it certainly could be. It certainly could be getting us ready for the mark of the beast, getting us conditioned to take the mark of the beast. It's been amazing to me at the things that are being forced on the American public Right now, up to this point, it's not going to get better, I fear. I think it's going to get worse. So I think it certainly conditioned us, conditioning us for the end times, for that time of great tribulation. But that is not uh, at all what the Bible teaches. So, so don't let anybody tell you that. Now, if you want to read more about that, you can read in Revelation chapter 6 through Revelation chapter number 20. You're going to see all of this outlined in the Word of God there. Now, after the seven years of tribulation, then we know that Jesus will return from the heavens, listen to me now, and set foot upon planet Earth. That's going to happen at the battle of Armageddon. All right? Now, when that takes place, that's going to usher in the thousand-year millennial reign of the Lord Jesus. At the end of that thousand-year millennial reign, then Jesus himself will set up a new heaven and a new earth. Now, that's what we've got to look forward to on the prophetic timeline. Now, the rapture of the church is different from the second coming. Let me give you some differences this morning. First of all, if we're looking at the rapture of the church, the Bible teaches plainly that when Jesus comes to rapture the church, he raptures them in the air. 
Do you see that there in Scripture? We just read it just a moment ago. Um, look down there with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. In verse number 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead shall, and Christ shall rise first. Then he, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Watch this. Where are we going to be caught up to? Where are we going to be raptured to? In the clouds. So in the rapture of the church, Jesus calls the believers, the, uh, the, 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 the uh, believers in mankind up to himself. At the second coming of Christ, Jesus himself comes down to mankind. All right? So in the rapture, he calls mankind up, those who have believed in him. In the second coming, Jesus himself comes down to mankind. Now, not only that, but in the rapture of the church, the Bible says it's going to happen like the twinkling of an eye. It's going to happen that fast. We will be changed in the twinkling of an eye, and we will meet him in the clouds. When the second coming takes place, that's going to be more of a long, drawn-out thing. Like I said, Jesus is coming to wage war against Satan and all of mankind that is against him. You're going to see that in the Battle of Armageddon when you read about it in the book of Revelation. I encourage you to do that. So it's not a twinkling of an eye, but a more drawn-out thing. Matter of fact, the Bible says then that will usher in the thousand-year millennial reign. In the rapture of the church, the believers who have died in Christ will be resurrected. Isn't that good news? I've got several um, loved ones who went on before me to be with the Lord. And the Bible says that the rapture of the church, the dead in Christ, everybody say in Christ, are those who have died in Jesus, those who have trusted fully in the finished work of Christ and have passed on to glory, they will rise first. Are you getting it? That's in the rapture. Believers will resurrect. At the second coming, you're going to see that all the dead will then be resurrected. All the dead will be resurrected. There's a big difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus. Let me give you three things here real quickly in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that I believe will help us all. First of all, uh, they're all three going to start with R because if we can, I do that because it helps me remember it, okay? And, and maybe it'll help you remember it. But number one, I want you to see the revelation we have uh, in the Word of God concerning, concerning the death of the saints. Look at verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, neither it not, not even as others which have no hope. So you've got to understand a little bit of what's going on here when Paul writes this letter. This church at Thessalonica was going through extreme persecution. I mean, they were uh, really having a tough time under the Roman government. And so a lot of them were saying, well, I know things are going to get rough at the end times. We know that's going to take place. So have we already missed the rapture? Have we missed the rapture? And then what about our loved ones who went on to be with the Lord? What's going to happen to them? Because we don't understand all of this. And so by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, listen to me now, the Apostle Paul gave them revelation and he gives us revelation according to the Word of God and the death of the saints. Now, let me say something to you folks. The Bible says that, um, you remember, I've said this many times, 2 Corinthians chapter number uh, Five and verse number eight, the Bible teaches that to be absent from this body as a believer is to be where? 
present with the Lord. I've told you once, I'm going to keep telling you that for those who have trusted in Jesus, now, now, let's, let's just read that together. I, I don't want you to think that I'm just saying it. I don't want you to see it there in the Word of God. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, watch this now, and to be present with the Lord. So he writes to believers and he said, when you leave this body, immediately you're going to be with Jesus. A lot of people say, brothers, do you believe in soul sleep? No, I do not. Let me tell you why I do not believe in soul sleep. Because the Bible does not teach soul sleep. And what I mean by soul sleep, a lot of people say, well, you die and then you sleep in the grave until the time of resurrection. No, that's not what the scripture is telling us. The scripture is telling us that we can be confident to be absent from the body is to be present with Jesus. See, what you see before you this morning and what I see before me this morning, you, you're not seeing Israel Price. And I'm not seeing Eric Harris. And I'm really not seeing Andy Tucker. I mean, I, that's how I know you. That's how I relate to you physically. But that's not really who you are. What, who, really who you are is that spirit, that soul, that life that God has gifted you with. Can you say amen? And what happens at death? Death is nothing more than separation. Physical death is the soul and the spirit being separated from the physical body. And that soul and spirit at death, when it is separated, will go to one of two places according to Scripture. For the believer, we are confident that to be absent from the body is to be present with Jesus. Can you say amen? For the believer... Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 21 says, Paul said... For me to live is Christ. If I keep living, see now, now let me tell you what's happening. When he wrote to the book, uh, the book of Philippians to the Philippian church, the apostle Paul was already being tried for crimes under the Roman government. And he didn't know if he was going to live tomorrow. And so what he said was, for me to live is Jesus. For me to live is Christ. If I keep living, if God allows me more time on this earth, I'm just going to keep living for him. I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. I'm going to keep telling others about Jesus. I'm going to keep writing these letters that's one day going to become the word of God. I'm sure he didn't know that, but that's what he did. He kept doing what God led him to do. For me to live is Christ. I don't know about you, but I like living in Christ. I enjoy life, and you ought to enjoy life. I'm telling you, allow God to fill you up, to work on you, work in you, and work through you, and life will become a joy. Amen? For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if we're sleeping in a grave somewhere, how has that gained anybody? Anybody ever been to a graveyard? Not a happy place, is it? I've never understood why people like to go out and hang out in graveyards. I just don't get that. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't get it. I, I don't understand that. It's not a real happy place. To lay in a grave sleeping, that's not gain. Gain is being with the Lord. And that's what's promised to every believer. You say, well, how does that work? Well, I'm glad you asked. I want you to see the revelation of the saints that are dead. The revelation of the Word of God concerning the saints dead in Christ. But also I want you to see the return when Christ is coming for His saints, those who are dead and alive. All right? Look at verse number 14. Watch this. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, watch this now, Will God bring with him? 
I'm going to read that again because you missed it. All right? Even those who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. How can God bring them with him if they are not with him? So what am I telling you? That spirit, that soul that makes us who we are, that goes to be with the Lord. And listen to me now. When he comes back into rapture his church, he brings back the souls, the spirit of those dead in Christ. And those souls and spirits resurrect, or listen to me now, are reunited with their glorified body. How do I know it? Well, look at the scripture. Watch. Verse number 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that they which are alive and remain in the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, we're not going to rise corruptible, but incorruptible. You say, Brother, how do you know that? I know that from 1 Corinthians 15. Now, I'm not going to turn over there. I want to give you some homework. And I want you to go this week, and I want you to read and study 1 Corinthians 15. If you want to do it in seven days, do it in seven days. Divide it up. I think there's about 56, 57, 58 verses, somewhere around there. I may be wrong on that. But you can divide it if you want to divide it, if you want to do it all at one time, or if you want to read all of it. Uh, the whole 58 verses every day for seven days, but check out what the Bible says concerning the corruptible and the incorruptible. We will not be raised corruptible, but incorruptible. They will be raised, those dead in Christ, to receive their new glorified body. Think about the glorified body just a moment. Those loved ones who went on to be with Jesus, many of them went in some horrific ways. Didn't they? As a pastor... For the last 20 years, I've, seen, I've sat by a whole lot of deathbeds, and I've seen people die in some horrific ways. You ever seen someone die with their bodies riddled with cancer? You ever seen that? It's tough to watch. Tear your heart out. Have you ever saw someone that has been mangled through accidents, suicides a lot of people leave this walk of life in some horrific ways for the believer we're not going to get that old corrupted body we're going to be just as Jesus is let me give you some scripture first first John chapter 3 verses 1 through 3 we shall be just like he is Amen. Just last week, or week before last, was it last week? Last week, um, Brandy's grandmother went to be with the Lord. And they played a song by Casting Crowns at her funeral that I absolutely love. And it talked about the only scars in heaven are going to be the scars in the hands of Jesus. Let me tell you why. Because in heaven, when we receive our new glorified body, we're not getting this old corruptible body that's been mangled by the diseases of this world, that's been mangled by the accidents that happen in this world, that's been mangled by all the trouble that we face in this world. We're getting a new body just like he is. Dr. J.B. Jeremiah says that the, the, the word of God gives us so little about the new glorified body for a reason. For if God gave us any more, that's all we'd think about. I agree with that. Think about Jesus and his resurrected body, what he could do. He could walk through walls. He was not hindered by um, matter at all. 
He was not hindered by time or space because you see him one minute on the road to Emmaus with believers and you see him in the very next moment at a different place. Could he teleport from one place to the other? Evidently he could. Well, if we're going to be just like he is, does that not mean that maybe we can do some of that stuff? I am jacked up. You're talking about being at two places at one time. In our glorified body, maybe we can. I'm just telling you, we've got a lot to look forward to. I get so sick of people talking about us being angels sitting on a cloud somewhere playing a harp. No, we're going to do some cool stuff in heaven. Folks, listen, get a hold of this. The only scars in heaven will be in the hands of Jesus. The dead in Christ shall rise. And their spirit will be united with their glorified body. Wow. Not only though is he coming back for those saints who have died in Jesus, but he's coming back for those who are alive in Jesus. And I believe that's me. Now you say, Brother Ryan, you know, everybody, everybody said that for years. I've heard that since I was a little bitty boy. My mama used to tell me that Jesus was coming soon. Well, let me tell you something. It's a whole lot sooner now than when your mama told you. He's still coming. He's still coming. You know what he says? He said, I'm going to come like a thief in the night when no one expects it, when no one's looking. I look around in our world today and it don't seem like a whole lot of people's looking for Jesus. Let me ask you something, child of God. Are you looking for Jesus? You know that when he comes, we as believers will be judged. You know that, don't you? You know we as believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Are we living holy lives ready to meet Jesus? Because he could come today. He could come before we finish this service. Are you, do you have that expectation of his coming? We need to. If we really do, it'll change how we live. I don't want him to come and find me outside his will. It's important that we are looking for him. Amen? And the Bible says, look with me. Get a hold of this. For the Lord himself, verse 16, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ. It's going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up, raptured, harpazo, together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and shall, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Listen, folks. This meeting is everlasting. This meeting is everlasting. But this meeting is for those who are in Christ. And the Bible says, he says here, comfort one another with these words. I want you to see the revelation concerning those who are dead in Jesus. I want you to see the return when Jesus will return, not for just for the dead in Christ, but for the living in Christ but you need to see this rapture, this meeting, this meeting that's going to happen in the earth. It's for those who know the Lord. 
I'm not talking about those who are trying to be good people. You say, brother, shouldn't we try to be good people? Absolutely, but being a good person is not going to make you saved. It's not going to get you ready for the rapture. I'm not talking about those who've just been baptized. You say, brother, shouldn't we be baptized? Absolutely, but guess what? Baptism alone is not enough to get you ready for the rapture. You say, brother, shouldn't we do come to church and, and, and help the little old ladies across the street and feed the hungry. Yeah, that's all good, well and good, but let me tell you something. That's not enough to get you ready for the rapture. Have you trusted fully in the finished work of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin? Do you know that God the Holy Spirit has convicted your heart and you came to the place where you realized your need for a Savior and you trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of sin? You've believed on His Finished work. Have you done that? Are you sure? Do you have the peace of God? Folks, if not, this truth concerning the rapture is never going to be a comfort to you. You'll be just like I used to be. Scared to death of it. Let me tell you something. Today, today, you can have the peace that passes all understanding and know you're ready to meet the Lord. You can. Dr. Warren Wiersbe on his commentary on this verse told a story about the director of his church camp. He had a church camp for youth. And he said that the staff there at the uh, church camp decided they would play a joke on the director. So he leaves one morning to go get some supplies at Sam's and he's going to be gone most of the day. And so all of them staged a fake rapture. He said while he was gone, they, they all went out in the, in the parade ground there in the middle of the camp and they left clothes empty just lying on the ground. And they fixed a boat out in the lake so that it would, they tied the steering wheel and, and set it at idle speed and let it just go around in circles all by itself out in the lake. And they went into the kitchen and they turned on the stove and put boiling water there and, and, and opened up the refrigerator and cracked eggs on the counter and made it look like somebody was cooking and just let it go. And then he came back and saw all of this. And at the moment he stepped in, somebody was watching and somebody from town called the director of the camp and said, what's going on? I can't find my family. And the director of the camp said, I got to tell you, it shook me for a little while until I realized if he's coming, he's coming for me because I've trusted in him. Pretty bad trick to play on somebody. Let me tell you something, though. There's going to come a time when millions across the earth will be raptured, caught up. And those left behind will endure what the Bible calls the time of tribulation. That time of tribulation is when God pours his wrath out upon an unrepentant world for which he died. Are you hearing me? If you go back and read, you're going to find hell itself 
will be unleashed upon this earth. The demons of hell. I, I see these posts on Facebook where these people are always talking about, I just see the book of Revelation revealing before our eyes. No, you don't. No, you don't. You may see Revelation chapter 1 verse chapter number through chapter number 3. You may see that being before your eyes because that's the letters to the church. But after chapters number, number 6, you ain't seeing that. It's bad now. But it's not a drop in the bucket to what Revelation 6, chapter 6 through 20 tells us. When hell will be unleashed upon this earth. I don't know about you. I don't want no part of that. The wrath of God being poured out upon a world that's turned their back on him, that's rejected his son. Well, guess what, though? I got one verse and I'm done. I promise. Romans chapter 5. Let's look down, please, at verse number 5. And hope makes not a shame. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from what? From wrath. How? Through him. Through him. Now listen. That great tribulation, that time of tribulation is all about God's wrath being poured out upon the earth. Why do I believe the church will be raptured pre-trib? Yeah, you say, well, brother, I'm mid-trib, I'm post-trib. That's all right, I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad about it. But when we're going up pre-trib, I'm just going to look over and say I was right and you was wrong. <laughs> Why? Because we're saved from wrath. God delivers his people from his wrath. Amen? By his blood. By his blood. Do you know Jesus? Is this a comfort to you this morning? It's comforting for me to know I'm not going to be here during the time of tribulation. It's comforting me to know I will ever be with the Lord. I'll have my glorified body. You can have it too. The price has been paid. Stand together this morning. Brother, come on up. What if Jesus, what if Jesus came to rapture his church in the next five seconds? I want you to be real with yourself. See, what happens when a lot of times when, when a message like this is preached, people look around and say, boy, I wish old so-and-so was here. They really need to hear this one. Quit worrying about old so-and-so. What about you? Don't, don't, don't put on your mind anybody else, anything else. I want you to focus on you. Where are you at with the Lord? Because, folks, we all need to take an honest inventory of where we are, of where we are with the Lord. If Jesus came back for his church in the next five seconds, where would you be? Is that a comfort to you, knowing that he could come back in the next five seconds? Let, let's see. Five, four, three, two. One, where would you be? You can know today. You can be comforted today. 
If you need him, won't you come?